Welcome to the latest podcast from the Plastic Surgery Journal Club. Each month we review an appraiser journal article, typically from PRS, and summarize it for you in this podcast. The full journal can be obtained from the PRS website. Welcome back to the November 2016 Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery Journal Club. Coming to you from Sydney, Australia, my name is Dr. Damien Marucci and I'm with Dr. Leo Kim, who is one of the senior accredited trainees. Leo, the next paper we looked at was the Profunda Artery Perforated Flap Experience for Breast Reconstruction. This is by um, uh, Rob Allen, uh, junior and senior, uh, with Robert Allen Senior being the senior author. It's uh, published in the November 2016 PRS. Uh, so what was this paper about in a nutshell, Leo? Yes, so this paper came out of Louisiana and New York and uh, Dr. Allen, who we were privileged to have in Sydney for our perforator course uh, last week, was a retrospective review between 2010 and 2014 and looking at 164 flaps in total of 96 patients. And within this group, there were very various different categories of the average age was 48, BMI was 22.1. So it was, uh, in terms of the body habitus, it was on the lighter part of the scale. And astonishingly, astonishingly, the thing that we noticed the most was that smoking, the rate of smoking was 18.8%. Uh, for a perforator flap, we thought that was quite remarkable. Um, Preoperatively, MRI and a CTA was performed, uh, and first six cases were performed prone. Then I suspect as the learning curve uh, ended up on the right side of the, the scale, all supine um, a dissection was performed in a frog, frog leg position. So the marking was performed standing up, and the superior margin of the flap was placed at or just below the inferior gluteal crease, with the inferior margin of the flap being marked six to seven centimeters below, and the superior border depending on the desired flap size. And the key perforator was flapped with a Doppler uh, with a patient in prone position. Um, so the dissection was performed uh, supine, frog-legged, from medial. So the incision started on the medial aspect of the sinus, subfascial plane. Once the gracilis was identified, it was retracted anteriorly, anteriorly, and the perforators were chased through to adductor magnus. The average flap rate weight was 367, which was pretty equivalent to the average weight of mastectomy in this particular cohort. And the average flap dimension was 27 centimeters by six centimeters. And average pedicle length was 10 centimeters, which we thought which was uh, pretty good. Um, in terms of the results, the secondary procedure was uh, quite an overwhelming uh, percentage, 80%. Well, 79.8% to be exact, were uh, fat grafted. I don't know whether that was to to smooth out the edges or to augment the volume, but yeah. we thought it was quite a significant yeah. percentage. Yeah, I wonder if that's due to the fact the width of the flap is only 6.3 centimetres. So yes. you can imagine orientating the flap transversely, you're going yes. to need uh, some upper pole uh, yes. augmentation and whether yes. that's where all that fat was going. Yes, anyway, sorry, and, that, and that average volume of uh, fat that was grafted was about 174 cc's, um, along with other contralateral procedures such as mastopexy and some breast reduction and the like. Um, so the key perforator um, is said in the paper is that can, can consistently be found 
on average about five centimeters below the inferior gluteal crease and on average about 3.8 centimeters from the midline and usually there's about two perforators or even more three or three or more perforators and the biggest argument for this flap I guess is to provide a softer and a more flexible soft tissue as opposed to a gluteal artery based S gap or I gap that has is a little bit tough and is difficult to mold and I guess the problem of the donor side which which all autologous flap reconstruction suffers from so overall I thought it was a very interesting paper yeah um, obviously you know Robert Allen is an extremely talented and innovative uh, reconstructive microsurgeon uh, this is uh, a, a very large series of this uh, particular flap um, it was an honour, as you said, to have uh, Dr. Allen uh, in Sydney for the international course on uh, perforated flaps last week, and I actually got to assist him with a um, with one of these flaps in a cadaver, and uh, it was uh, it was a real highlight of the week for me. Um, one thing to sort of uh, spoiler alert is that uh, apparently Dr. Allen has now kind of moved on and is uh, uh, now more looking towards the lateral thigh flap. So uh, hopefully in the in the coming year or so there'll be a uh, publication talking about his experience with that with that particular uh, type of perforator flap. But certainly uh, this is another flap option. Um, he uh, you know a couple of years ago everything was the tug flap, and this certainly seems to be uh, an evolution from that. You don't run the risk of having the muscle atrophy and the later uh, decrease in uh, reconstructive size that, uh, that you get with the tug. And we're looking forward to the results from the lateral thigh flap very soon. That'll be great. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts, head to soundcloud.com or subscribe to us on iTunes and search Plastic Surgery Journals. Remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Thanks also to the PRS Journal team for their ongoing support.